Hello and welcome to the new episode of Dakota Boys Talk Movies. I'm Steven. And I'm Dakota. And today we're going to do something. And that's probably good since when you do this, you should do something, I guess. And so no. um, we're going to be talking about three different movies uh, by Ridley Scott. The Martian's coming out um, here pretty soon. And maybe by the time you listen to this, it will be out and will hopefully be a hit. Everybody's kind of hoping it's going to be good and maybe be a back to form for Ridley Scott. He's done good sci-fi in the past. He's done bad sci-fi in the past. Mostly just one bad sci-fi, I think, right? Yeah, he's almost in a way kind of kind of the forerunner for most of what we think of as sci-fi. I know James Cameron kind of owes this guy owes this guy um a huge thank you pretty much for helping him cuz he kind of some of his sci-fi stuff he kind of just ripped off from him. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, it really helped James Cameron get a kickstart for his career making uh, the sequel to Alien, which was one of Ridley Scott's first movies, which is a good movie. Um, but yeah, Ridley Scott, he's just had a career that's gone started in the... 70s? Yeah, for sure, 70s is when he really started taking off. First big movie being Alien. He did Legend, movies like that in the 80s. Um, and then he really became more to prominence, seems like more in like the 90s, for becoming like a noticed successful you know director is when it started kind of taking off more in the 90s i'm trying to think here what was what was the big movie he had in the 90s that kind of everyone was like kind of put him on the map well you had brought up one that i did i didn't think about with him when we were kind of talking about his different movies was uh uh black rain but it wasn't well, uh, yeah, that was 89 though, I that think. Was, yeah, that was that was an 80s movie. He had I think it was uh I want to say Top Gun, but that's not it. That's, that's Tony Scott and that was 80s, but Yeah, uh, his brother. Also a gifted director, but very hit and miss. Hit and miss and then sadly now um committed suicide. Yeah. Well, I think Thelma and Louise yeah. would, have, would have been 1991, and that's kind of that's kind of where I think he kind of really got put on the map. I mean, again, yeah, after after Alien, because I mean, between Alien and Thelma and Louise, he had like I said, Legend, um, someone to watch over me, Black Rain, but then Thelma and Louise is really his comeback. But then he did again. You could say he's pretty hit and miss because then he did 1492, which was kind of a a bust Christopher Columbus movie. Um, White Squall, which was kind of like a mid-90s teenagers sailing mishap movie. And then G.I. Jane, which uh, was one of those movies that had a lot of promise. It was a movie that, uh, yeah, like, well, and even at the time, you know, it was two thumbs up from Siskel and Ebert, you know, and things like that happened to it where it was like it was meant to be like this. Kind of like a officer and a gentleman, but for women. Yeah, it was like an well, yeah, and it was like the '90s. Anything you can do, I can do better. Yeah, type movie like you know Demi Moore, you know, pumped herself up and shaved her head, you know, and and the other thing that's interesting about G.I. Jane is uh, Viggo Mortensen. Yeah, he's is the drill sergeant in it, and a lot of people didn't really know him till Lord of the Rings. Well, he's been in movies for. Oh yeah, he was in. He was a. Uh, he played an Amish person in Witness. Yeah. The 
was it the the guy that was trying to seduce the the uh, the main Amish lady? Wasn't he? No, no, he. I don't not, know. Not he, trying to seduce, but court, uh, whatever you want to call it. No, he wasn't that one. But yeah, he was just like one of the. You, you saw him a lot in the movie. He probably had a name. I don't remember they ever said it. But then he was in a perfect murder too. I think before, but but G.I. Jane was was uh, I think kind of maybe what helped him get some of those later. I remember he bigger movies. He actually had a part in Young Guns too. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, he was kind of like uh, the character of Pat Garrett, his sky, sidekick. So he got a lot of a decent amount of screen time, and actually had some lines in it too. So, huh? He wasn't just in the background, you know, smoking a cigarette. Yeah, he was twirling just twirling his mustache. Yeah, he he had been around a while, but like I said, it seemed like after GI Jane was really starting to notice him. But GI Jane was really a Demi Moore vehicle. I mean, yeah. it was all about her. And like I said, at the time, it was considered like. A big deal. It's just that now it's like nobody really cares, yeah. and it didn't really didn't really hold up. And I don't know. Uh, but what we're gonna do today is we're gonna, like I said, we're gonna talk about three different Ridley Scott movies, just because with the Martian coming out, um, which just looks like I, I I'm planning on. I actually I've been wanting to read that book for about a year and haven't <laughs> done it yet, and now I got some time coming here in the future. I'm gonna work on some stuff, and so I'm gonna listen to the audio book. I think. So I can I can at least know that I want to know the story before I go see the movie, um, just because I think that might be kind of an interesting way to do it. And I know the movie the book is kind of written in like a first person, I believe, where it's kind of him almost journaling in a way. But how we're gonna do this here is we're gonna talk about three different ones, and we're gonna do a good one, a not good one, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, a stinker. And we're going to talk about one that maybe you, you know, this is one we both agree on. When we get to it, you know, you'll know, you'll maybe you'll be like, oh yeah, that we think a lot of you have forgotten about that you shouldn't. That is in a lot of ways an underdog, and I'd even even the lead actor in it. And, and when we get to it and talk about it, it makes sense that even the lead actor is an underdog and is still an underdog now. But let's go ahead. We'll do, we'll start with our first one. Our, the the first one we're going to talk about. Our good one, our good Ridley Scott movie. I feel like this episode should be called The Good, The Bad, The Forgotten. The Good, The Bad, The Forgotten. That's pretty much what it is. Um, is the 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 2000 hit and Oscar winner, um, Gladiator. Yeah. St- you know, starring Russell Crowe. You know, obviously, Ridley Scott directed it. It's kind of the point of this episode. And, uh, man, I tell you... I watch this movie at least once a year, and it never gets old. Yeah. Unlike some wow. movies that come out, this movie has held up really well over the years. Extremely well. Extremely well. And obviously, a lot of the, a lot of the weight of this movie, not all of it, is put on the shoulders of Russell Crowe. Yeah. And, and he had done some movies before this, but really nothing at this level of lead actor really at this point you know he was kind of this really new to america anyway australian actor he'd done stuff in australia and done some stuff here but like what was that the insider yeah he did before is where he gained weight for the role is kind of a big deal but this was really his can he be the big star not just big star but big action star guy and man he did it and they gave him he won the best best actor for this too 
Um, and so the Academy even said, we agree. You were great. And he is. He is through the whole movie. And even probably the most famous line he says in the movie is, I am Maximus Decimus Meridius. You know, what does he say? A uh, husband to a murdered wife, father to a murdered son. murdered son. And I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. And he did not want to say that line. He thought that line was like cheesy and he didn't want to do it. And like Ridley had to like coerce him into saying that. And it's probably like the most quoted line of the movie and practically the tagline of the yeah. of the movie. And he didn't even want to do it. Yeah, I, I thought I thought it was odd. It makes me want to question the fact that another famous line he uttered, are you not entertained? Yeah, that's the- true. That's almost more quoted now, especially like in this world of memes we live in. Where it'll be like a picture of him and like, are you not entertained? <laughs> and the crowd's like, shut up and fight. Yeah. That is a good scene in the movie, too, where, you know, you can just feel his exasperation in that moment. But uh, what the story is, if you're not familiar with it, is he's a he's a general in the Roman army. And ironically, he's never been to Rome, but still fights for fights for Rome. It's just kind of the world it was. Um, he was actually a, th- a Spaniard. Yeah. Is what he's playing in the movie. And when he becomes a gladiator, that's what he goes by, the Spaniard. But what he, yeah, he's a he's a general who that um, Caesar really holds in high esteem. He's very good at what he does. The Caesar being Marcus Aurelius. Yes, Marcus Aurelius. At it, the end of his esteemed career as Caesar, right, played wonderfully. Yeah. In the time he has on screen by Richard Harris. Yeah. Richard Harris just, I don't know. You know, he did a lot of crumb. When he was younger, <laughs> but once he got to be an old man, he just he nailed a lot of roles. Yeah, he nailed a lot of roles once he got once he got older, and uh, this was this is one he just he did he hit out of the park playing Mark with the time he had you could just see he's basically playing a Caesar who's just tired of being at war and just tired of it all and wants to bring in a new era of peace with his predis- with his not predecessor, successor, and he wants Maximus, played by Russell Crowe, to be his successor instead of his son, played by Joaquin Phoenix, before he went crazy and then uncrazy. (laughs) Again, uh, Joaquin Phoenix in a role that could have gone over the top. I think he, would you agree, uh, he rides the line pretty, pretty well. Yeah, of not- he, uh, well, at the start of the movie, you kind of just feel, you, you, you kind of know he's just the, just the, obviously he, his father isn't, isn't too proud to have him as a son. He's kind of, yeah, kind of lackadaisical and he, he tries to tout his fighting prowess, but it's like, yeah, he's well. kind of the entitled, kind of acts like the entitled rich kid really who just almost in a way knows he can get whatever he wants. Yeah. And yeah, and he thinks he's kind of awesome with his sword play and things like that. Which he he kind of brings up the fact in a scene one one that I seen that I always thought was he was really good at is when he's he's explaining to his father, you know, the good qualities he has and he's like, mm. "I have courage, maybe maybe not on the battlefield, but I have courage." Yeah, that scene is very good. It's the scene when cuz basically what happens is like we said, Marcus Aurelius, the Caesar, the Caesar, is telling his own son, I'm not picking you to succeed me. I'm picking Maximus. 
And Joaquin Phoenix, just the way he plays it, where he's just, like, starting to, like, sob, and you can't, you can't quite tell if he's sad and mad about losing the throne. Or the fact that his dad. Or the fact that his dad, which one bothers him more? Yeah. The fact that his dad almost doesn't love him as much, and... Man, you really what a moment! You're right. That's a very and then what? Then there's the what comes next part that sets up the whole movie. Yeah, and then the whole movie is set up with, uh, and this really isn't spoiling because obviously you know that Maximus becomes a gladiator, and the reason he gets there is that, well, Joaquin makes himself Caesar anyway by (laughs) taking out his dad and throwing Maximus into slavery, eventually gladiatorial. Well, no, he doesn't throw him into slavery. He yeah. goes out to murder him, and Maximus escapes. Excuse me. Then, of course, he gets found, and they think they they think he's a deserter from the army. And what happens to deserters? Slavery, because I think that was Rome's response to everything. <laughs> You're late on your taxes, slavery. And he comes into possession of Proximo, played by Oliver Reed. Yes, who actually died. While filming this, and and this is this another thing I like about this movie is it's one of the real early examples I can think of where I shouldn't say early because technically Jurassic Park would be the earliest, but one of the better examples before we got totally CGI'd out of how they were able to use CGI to enhance the movie without total reliance. You know, the, uh, Gladiator, Gladiator is a perfect example of that, the way they did the Colosseum. Yeah. But in terms of Proximo, because of Oliver dying, they actually had to use a... Body double? Body double, and then they CG'd Oliver Reed's face onto that person of things he had already filmed and things like that. It's just kind of interesting how they were doing it, because you can't tell when you watch the movie Yeah, that they had to do that, but... I think the only way you could really tell is if you're actually really looking at it and you're zoom in, you could, you can tell just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And another kind of interesting little behind the scenes thing I thought I remember hearing at some point was just, uh, I don't know if Russell Crowe, you know, those things he didn't want to do it. If maybe he, maybe he's just so method that he's almost hard to work with because <laughs> apparently him and Oliver Reed didn't like each other. Oh yeah. I did I think like Oliver of, Reed almost refused to be in the same room as Russell Crowe. I think that's one of those things where two, two you know, colossal personalities just meeting. It's true because Oliver Reed is a pretty hardcore actor himself. He, I mean, he's been around for a year. Him and Richard Harris. I mean, they had a couple actors movie that have been just doing acting for years. Yeah, apparently, you know? apparently he was for a while in the running to be the next James Bond after Sean Connery. But his Richard Harris? No. Oh, no, no, Oliver no. Reed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. But uh, his his he was in the press a lot for drinking too much, fighting too much, and he apparently was kind of Sean Connery in a way because there was rumors going around that he was you know kind of smacking around his women. And, Ooh, that's not good. Yeah. So they they just pulled out the rug from under him, and he was apparently the. Pretty bitter course, over that whole thing. With how many years James Bond has been around, pro- practically every major handsome British actor has <laughs> yeah. been teased at 
as a possibility of being the next Bond. I mean, it's still going on today, you know, with, oh, uh, Tom Hardy and, oh, Idris Elba and, oh. Ewan McGregor in the early 2000s. Yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> Colin Firth. Yeah. Colin Farrell. Yeah. I remember even, and that's another early 2000s where people said Colin Farrell and now everybody's like, never mind. <laughs> He's kind of crazy. Yeah, it's just uh, kind of one of those things where a lot of British names get thrown around for it. But, yeah, it's interesting. I don't know if I knew that. Oliver Reed was was uh, had that going for him. But Gladiator, no movie's perfect. I mean, may, maybe the, there are some things in this that aren't. But if if you've seen it, you know. And if you haven't seen it, watch it. Just the story, everything flows and works in this movie so well. Um, Connie Nielsen plays the main woman in the movie. She's great, playing uh, Lucilla, which would be um, Joaquin Phoenix's sister, who apparently has some sort of past with Maximus you kind of get <laughs> yeah. in the story sheet. But, I mean, just everyone, everyone's in this movie. I, and, I don't know, it just seemed like uh, Ridley Scott just shaped a really good epic with this movie. I, I think they had a good script written by David Franzoni. He's the one given the credit. Um, and I know he's written a few other things that have been done pretty well and, and likes to do historical things. And uh, it just all came together and worked really well. And, and it's it's not just a big epic for epic's sake. It's also a, a very intimate story is told in this movie, too. And you have some really neat gladiator scenes that some can be a little brutal <laughs> in the in the movie. But, uh, yeah, yeah, just a tight, good movie. Yeah, the one thing I always liked about this movie, well, two things, the way the way they shot it, it's it it was just big in scope. Like, you know, there's yeah, the he filmed everything everything just felt yeah, wide, just wide shots. There's the parade of, you know, Commodus riding in his chariot. Commodus, his, thank you. I was trying to remember Joaquin's name in the Yep. With, you know, his he's you know, riding on the chariot and you know, he's in his fancy clothes, he's going to meet the Senate for the first time. Just coming in like he's just <laughs> the bell with the ball. I mean he just come up the stairs. Yes, that's a very And it was like the first time I saw it on I I was not fortunate enough to see this on the big screen, which I wish I had because Same here. Massive, massive epically movie epic movie. But it's just that scene alone, it's like, holy cow. Yeah. It's just big and glorious, and you're like, mm-hmm. wow. Well, well, even like the way they decided to open the movie with kind of the. They're kind of doing their final battle in Germania. Yeah. And just like the way they kind of show that, where it's like, you see the line on this side, and you see the barbarians on this <laughs> side, and, you know, it's very like, you know trebuchets with flaming balls you know and it's just like everything is just very big um and 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 it's kind of in a way it's kind of a bummer because i feel like after this movie ridley felt like everything he made had to be had to have a big epic feel and it sometimes it's working sometimes it hasn't but this is a case where it just all came together and worked very well. Yeah, unfortunately, he, he that's kind of what he was trying to do with Hannibal. He was trying to make it into He classified The Silence of the Lambs as being documentary style filmmaking. He wanted to do an opera style of of mm-hmm. a film and he wanted to be big and, you know, exotic and Yeah. And that's okay and everything, but yeah, there was just uh, like I like Hannibal, but at the same time, it's like eh, there was all too much going on. Mm. 
Yeah. Anyway, back to back to Gladiator. The reason why we're here. One thing that always one got... of the reasons. One <laughs> <laughs> one thing that always got me about this movie was the music. I thank you. I was just gonna bring up when we had another kind of uh, a lull into the next thing. Yeah, the soundtrack. Yeah. What a great soundtrack. Like um, yeah. Just again, another fitting thing for this movie. I mean, there. I know some people who make fun of this movie because there's a scene where Commodus is walking in the field, a field of wheat, and his hand is just gliding along the wheat. And people are like, "I don't get this part of the movie. I wish they. It's totally unnecessary." But at the same time, it's like it was a great shot. Oh, and you see uh, Maximus's hand running yeah. over the wheat. What's well, because he he's this is the thing. He's a man who, when Marcus g- goes to give him the role of the next Caesar, he doesn't want to. He wants to be done. He's like, I've never been to Rome. I want to stay out of politics. Thank you for telling me I fought well for you, but I just want to go home and farm, you know, be with his wife and child. And those shots were really, I always felt like those were like a glimpse into his mind. That's all he wanted. You know, it was just that peace of being home, you know. And so I always felt like whenever they use those shots, I always felt like it fit because there's always a moment when it was Maximus reminiscing on on all, what the only thing he's ever wanted. <laughs> yeah, you know, is to be to be home. In fact, um, in the line when he's describing home, I think it's early on in the movie. You know, he's describing the smells. You remember smelling and being yeah. Home. Russell Crowe ad libbed that he was actually describing his actual home in Australia. I guess, <laughs> but. And that's why it felt so genuine, is that it was really him. But yes, Hans Zimmer, what a, another great score of his. He just died. Was he the one who just died? Yeah. No. No, Hans Zimmer. No, Hans Zimmer is very much alive because I know. No, as it was a, the guy who did uh, Titanic died. Yeah, he did um, a lot of '90s stuff, didn't he? Yeah. Why can't I remember his name? Well, it doesn't matter. It's not oh. Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer's alive. Yes. <laughs> Uh, I was looking at it was Jerry Goldsmith, and it's not him either. He's been dead for a while. Yeah, but I yeah he's the yeah. one who just died. But anyway, um, yeah, Hans Zimmer. This is just another one of his great soundtracks. Yeah, where it just was very very well done for the movie. Yeah, you have the orchestra going in the background, and then I can't remember her name, but she's become she's become pretty popular in the last few years. Uh, she's an opera singer. You have James late- James Horner. James Horner, right? That's the one who died. That's pretty bad. We couldn't remember. <laughs> um, are you talking about the lady whose voice they used? Yeah, who does the vocal? It's uh, Lisa Gerard. Yeah, yeah. She's who does the 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 vocals. But do you know her? I or, I mean, not personally. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, I, I just, like, I just called her last night. <laughs> yeah, she's on Facebook. <laughs> well, she probably is. But. Yeah. No, but uh, her singing, like, kind of. There's like so many different levels to it. It's either sad or mm. it, at the end, or it's kind of uplifting. She did. They did a really good job of using her voice, though. I thought in the music, it's Hans. Yeah, when Hans uh, and I and you could credit Ridley with this because a lot of times when you hear about a score being really good, it's because it's a composer who understands what you want to get across in the movie. And usually, the way the composer understands that is that he has a close relationship with the director. And they talk about what do we want to bring across in this, and again, it just helped make the enhance this movie. You're right, and the soundtrack is just great in this. But yeah, so Gladiator, 
If you haven't seen it, watch it. If you have seen it, watch it again. What are you doing? Jeez, it's a good movie. Watch it with a friend who hasn't seen it. Yeah, there you go. Seriously, it's a good movie to introduce people to because I think it reminds you how good a movie can be and what an epic is. Yeah. What a modern epic is, I should say. Unfortunately. You know, I honestly thought we would see more movies that kind of that that tried to copy off this, but mm-hmm. there really hasn't been. There wasn't too many. I mean, uh, King Arthur with Clive Owen yeah. tried to be a little bit this, but <laughs> not quite. And I, yeah, yeah, Troy, yeah, tried to be a little bit this, but and Troy had the one good thing you say about Troy is that like the look that they gave everything looked right, but it just wasn't very good. Yeah, story wise and stuff. But anyway. Gladiator. Great movie. So now I think we're going to move into our stinker. Brace yourself for this one, folks. (laughs) Now, what's interesting about our stinker is obviously it has the same director, since we are talking about Ridley (laughs) Scott, but it also has the same star as Gladiator. We are referring to the 2010 supposed-to-be blockbuster. (laughs) I'm not sure if it did very well. I don't think it did do as well as they hoped. Robin Hood. Yikes. <laughs> Dakota, you have anything to say about Robin Hood? I never thought I would see a movie that would make the Kevin Costner Robin Hood <laughs> look just like pure gold. <laughs> That's what that movie did. It Pure gold, I like that. Uh, it had so many things going for it, one of them being Ridley Scott's... Russell Crowe. And Russell Crowe. Kate Blanchett as Marion. I, I don't mind her. She's fine too. Yeah, you know what? Go just, for it. Uh, it was had an amazing cast. Max von Sydow. Yeah, I mean, that's right. You had everything seemed to be there, and I think I, I'm going back to going back to the thing where what makes or breaks your movie is mostly the script. Yeah, they. they and I just don't think this had a very good story slash script. It's almost like he took. All like the legends of Robin Hood and tried to cram them into this movie. Yeah, and and Brian, this name may not mean much to some of you, but I, I'm not sure exactly how you say his last name. I think it's is it Heglin? Heglin? Is that how you say it? Brian Heglin? Yeah. For the most part, he does pretty well. Um, his better movies are usually the ones that he also directs as well as writes. Um, I'm referring to like 42. Yeah, I thought that was good with Jackie Robinson. This movie maybe may seem a little dated now, but it was pretty big at the time. Was a Knight's Tale? Oh yeah, he wrote and directed that with Heath Ledger. Um, he did the script for this. I mean, he's written decent things before and after. But man, I think possibly one, him and Ridley Scott were in way over their head. And and again, I think this was a case where this was billed as. From the director of Gladiator. Yeah. I think they commercialized this as, the, here's your next big epic. Here's the spiritual successor to Gladiator. Yes, but... because here's here's the director of Gladiator. Here's your star of Gladiator. Here is not Gladiator. Yeah. Um, the problem that they forgot is that they were doing a Robin Hood story. Robin Hood is very much not a Gladiator epic. Yeah. Robin Hood is about a vigilante. And I really felt like all of that was lost in this movie. 
they didn't even really get to the fact of Robin who Robin Hood became until the very end of this movie. I don't know if they had a plan to make this a trilogy. Because in the trailer, this line, like, Oscar Isaac, he's another one who's in this movie. He played Prince John. Yeah. In the trailer, they showed him doing that, he will be an outlaw! Like him yelling this thing about being an outlaw, which is a big deal for Robin Hood when he gets known as an outlaw. This is like in the last... Like the last scene of the movie yeah. is when that line is. And it's like, I remember when it got to that, I'm like, were they trying to set this up to be a trilogy? Yeah. And like, we only saw, like, we basically saw the first act. It's almost like this was Robin Hood Begins. Yeah. And 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 so I think it was partially this movie is built wrong. Yeah. They build it as something it wasn't. Very much wasn't. But I think beyond that, even if it was built correctly... It still wasn't that good of a movie. It just and it felt long. It felt very long. You know, it it in a way kind of reminded me a lot of Kingdom of Heaven, and not just because Richard the Lionheart, who showed up at the end of Kingdom of Heaven, mm. the character also showed up. Actual person actually showed up in this, played by Danny Houston. Was it? I want to say that's right. Yeah, and he was okay. It's just it. Yes, that whole Danny part. Houston. That whole part, although interesting, completely unnecessary. It was almost like they were doing a completely different film. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, he dies, and then it completely changes to another film, mm-hmm. almost like a polit- Game of Thrones type film where Prince John has his schemes to get rid of his wife, and <laughs> it, it's like I had. I was confused kind of within the first 40 minutes. It's it's a very confusing movie in in I don't know, in the whatever you want to call it, the romance between Robin and Marion. It's hard to use the word romance because there was absolutely <laughs> nothing between them. There was no chemistry. If there was meant to be there wasn't. I don't know. And you had decent people in this. William Hurt, Mark Strong. Yeah. You know, you brought Danny Houston. You know, Sir Loxley is played by Max von Sydow. I mean, these are people that can be good <laughs> by a director that can make things good. I just think, like you said, they tried to fit in all these different things. And, like, I don't know if they, like I said, if they were trying to build a Robin Hood universe yeah. to make more movies, whatever it was. It isn't unwatchable. It just isn't. There's just so many other good Robin Hood movies out there. Yeah. It's just not worth wasting your time on. You know, Dakota kind of jokingly brought up the Kevin Costner on Prince of Thieves. You're right. That's more watchable. <laughs> Mostly just because Alan Rickman's <laughs> in it and he's awesome. I w- I'd go back to, you might as well go back to 1938. Yeah. Watch the Errol Flynn one, Adventures of Robin Hood. That's a great movie. You might as well go back to 1960. 1960- six or whatever it was and watch the the animated one where they're foxes because that movie's awesome yeah disney animated one that is hands down my favorite robin i mean hood come movie on you, it, when it opens with alan adale a rooster <laughs> going robin hood and little john walking through the forest that movie's awesome man i mean this isn't unwatchable but why waste your time when there's good robin hoods out there i and mean this- robin Hood's a great a great story great legend don't waste your time on the stinkers I unfortunately saw this movie in the theater, and I think... Me too! <laughs> it felt it felt so long. 
It did. I just that, I looked because I was like, because when we were talking about, it, like, I just remember feeling so long. two hours and twenty minutes. Holy cow! And so it technically was long. Yeah, I remember. I remember going long. to the bathroom and like taking my time. Like, <laughs> like maybe maybe by the time I'm not I, missing anything. <laughs> I remember thinking to myself, maybe when I get back there, I'll something will be going on that makes sense because I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna spoil this movie. You guys probably won't watch it anyway, but there's not much to spoil, really. I mean, I mean, basically any legend you've heard, it happens in this movie, just yeah. in a different weird way. Or well, whatever. one part that threw me off is the Robin Hood in in this movie isn't actually Robin of Loxley. He just kind of takes that title and just goes with it. Yeah, he because that that's right. He's not even really Loxley. Yeah, he, he just he's uh he's using that identity. I don't even think they say his name, his actual name. I don't think so, because uh, he's the actual Robin is betrothed to Marion, and he gets killed, and he gets killed, and then yes, and uh, Russ Crowe's character takes his place, and Kate Blanchett just kind of goes with it. Yeah, apparently, in the back in the day, all you had to do to claim to be somebody was just steal their family ring, and it's like, yeah, I'm now this guy. <laughs> Here I am. Hey, Dad. <laughs> no. um, yeah, another just kind of like unnecessary twist. <laughs> I don't know. Um, too much going on in this movie. Too much going on. You know, one thing I will. TMGO. <laughs> I will say one thing that surprised me about this movie. I can't think of his name, but he was in Walking Tall. He doesn't come off as a very good actor. But he actually pulled off a British accent pretty well. <laughs> he was in Walking Tall. Oh, yeah. Kevin Durand, yeah, who played the, Little John. He was he was the blob in that god awful Wolverine <laughs> movie. <laughs> you know he's he's played British a few times. I think he's actually Canadian. Oh, okay. So he uh, he's on the fence then. Yeah, which is why I think he was in Wolverine because they they yeah. cast a lot of Canadians in that. Ryan Reynolds is Canadian too. Kevin Durand, he's. He can be good when he wants to be Mark Addy, who is Fire Talk. I mean, like I said, yeah. the cast was there. <laughs> Just nothing else was. Nothing else was. So, well, I think that's enough of that. You don't want to linger on a stinker. Nobody wants to sit in a stink. I just want to know what <laughs> happened, man. I just want to know yeah. what happened. I, I just want to know. I don't really want to know. <laughs> Actually, now that I think about it. I'm so, a- we're going to go. Sorry, what? Oh, I was going to say, I just want my I want my two hours and 20 minutes back. Yeah. Well, thankfully, you only watched it once. You don't have like four hours and forty minutes or something. You're like, why? Because you watched it twice or something. But, um, well, I think we'll go on to our our final one of the day, and we'll eat. Like I said, we're done with the stink. No more stink. Hopefully, we're done with the stink. <laughs> unless you disagree with us, then maybe you're like, "What do you mean that one stinks worse? I love Robin Hood." <laughs> um, this is kind of the one that, like I said, in our opinion, we feel like has been kind of forgotten. And and shouldn't be. It's a very good example of modern warfare. The things that more modern soldiers think about in wars, and and is it is about a very interesting '90s confrontation that yeah. happened in Somalia. Uh, if you haven't figured it out, we're referring to the 2001 movie Black Hawk Down. Yes. This is uh this movie and I think earlier I mentioned how uh it's got someone in the lead that usually isn't Josh Hartnett is yeah. the one who got top billing in this. But what's interesting is he was 
I him believe. And, Ewan, and then Ewan McGregor was kind of second build to him. He was second build, but I think Josh Hartnett was actually above the title, right? Yeah. He was like above title billing. And Back in the day when you could get away with that sort of thing. Yeah. And what's interesting about Black Hawk Down is I really feel like it's nobody's movie. Um, I really feel like he got over the title billing just because he was in Pearl Harbor. Yeah. Which people liked, even, you, you even could, though that was terrible. Yeah, you could go with Tom Sizemore. He was saving Private Ryan. Eric Bana. Yeah. I mean, this was this was really an ensemble movie to its fine. Josh Arnett, I mean, the, like I said, we got top billing, I think, partially just because of coming off Pearl Harbor fame. And also, he's the one that maybe you kind of get introduced into things through a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, they do focus on, but but as a whole, they have they they go around. You follow Eric Bana is kind of the leader of the uh, Delta Force. Yep. And so you kind of follow him for a while. Ewan McGregor is kind of a. I think he is a sergeant in the Rangers. He's yeah. He's well. The movie starts with he's just kind of an office guy. Yeah. And he's like, I've gotten really good at making coffee. He's kind of like that guy. And he doesn't really care to be involved in anything, and uh, and uh, it it's just like I said, it's a really a really good example of just mod, like I said, modern warfare. Just what it's like for these young guys being war today. You, they, I mean, this kind of introduced Orlando Bloom. Yeah, this was like really like the first movie. A lot of people think Lord of the Rings is the first movie. This he was in this movie. Before that, he just was like a nobody. When he was in this, he was kind of a new recruit. Um, who is in this incident? But there was a lot of famous people in this movie. There's a Thomas Hardy, I believe, is <laughs> who eventually ended up going by the name Tom Hardy. Yeah, uh, Nicol- I mean Nikolai Walder Clouseau for Game of Thrones fans actually plays one of the snipers that was killed. Yep, Scotty Smalls. That was his name in Sandlot. His name in real life is Tom Geary. He was in this. Yeah, Sam Shepard. Yon Griffith, yeah. If you're saying his, if I'm saying his name right, he is kind of a. It looks like Ewan Gravid, but I believe it's pronounced Yoan Griffith. For those of you wondering who that is, he was <laughs> Mister Fantastic, not in the crappy remake that just recently came out, but the one from 2007, something like that. Yeah, and like and like Dakota brought up, you know, Tom Hardy, Jeremy Piven. I mean, just a lot of people you know. Or Jeremy Piven, I believe, is one of the helicopter pilots. Yeah. And Ron Elder. Um, but there's a lot of people, you know, over in this movie, but nobody was really the top dog so much as, is this movie was about telling this account that happened in 1993 and boy, just from what I've looked in on this incident and what people who really know this incident watch this movie, they said this movie is pretty darn accurate in well, going the, through the, it's actually based on a, I think it was the Philadelphia Inquirer stories that were written not even yeah. in the newspaper but on their internet website. Well, and then one of the helicopter pilots wrote a biography yeah. about it too, and they based it kind of off his account too of being involved in it and then being held prisoner. Yeah, and then there was uh, obviously the articles proved to be so popular, uh, the writer turned it into a book, which became even more popular, and that's... In a way, I feel like, I don't know, it's kind of a good thing that the this whole this whole thing was brought up because uh, what was going on in Somalia was actually pretty serious. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had these yeah. warlords who were starving people to death. I mean, 
they bring up statistics at the very beginning of it that, uh, but, uh, I don't think a lot of, I remember Saturday Night Live, uh, made fun of Bill Clinton for sending troops over to Somalia to, Mm -hmm. to, well, and part of it was, and initially Bill Clinton was kind of hesitant and I think he was just going to drop in kind of some Red Cross food and stuff to him, wasn't he? But the problem is, is they drop in this food and the what are you gonna call them? the guerrillas or the the renegade Somalians were taking it all and it wasn't even getting to the people who needed it. Yeah. You know so he decided to step it up. To put this into context, uh he sent in uh Army Rangers, Delta Force, and um I can't remember the air group what they're called. Um it's a it's a group of pilots. They tend to they were specialized in landing troops in urban areas and pulling yeah. them out. They were supposed to have been really good at uh, not uh, not losing people or having their choppers get shot down. Right. Yeah, and their job was to take in these rangers. Yeah. Um, to put it into context, um, the rangers and, and Delta Force are the upper echelons of the United States Army. Right. These are some of the more tougher better trained members of the infantry. And when Clinton shipped them in, this was pretty much him just saying, well, yeah, you're not going to do this. And for the most part, they were pretty good at doing their job, even though they were surrounded. This entire city pretty much hated them. And Mm -hmm. the city, for the most part, was under control of these warlords. And the biggest one was, oh, crap, I can't even remember his name. What was it? The one they tried to catch in the movie? Yeah, well, they're trying to catch these top two lieutenants. Yeah, but the yeah, what was that main the main man's name? I don't, I can't remember off the top of my head. But Go yeah, <laughs> so they they find out where these these guys are gonna be meeting, and they decide to send in these choppers, and the idea is to surround the building, go in, pull them out, and then send a convoy through the city, get these prisoners out of there, get the men back out of there, and just go back to their base. I know it sounds simple. It did not go that way. Uh, you see in the movie, uh, one of the soldiers falls out of the helicopter and injures himself bad. That's like the first thing that went wrong. Yeah, breaks his back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was Orlando Bloom's character. And then the convoy on the way to the site, uh, they make it there. The problem is when they try to get back out, there's roadblocks. They get lost. Um, one of the Black Hawk helicopters gets shot down. Yeah, these Blackhawks have had a really bad history of yeah. going down. And and at least what this movie portrays is that these guys knew the weak spot. They yeah. shot their they shot their uh, were they RPGs. They were kind of like bazooka type things. Yeah. Anyway, shoulder bazookas at the back rotary. And man, once they hit that, it was like that thing was doomed. Yeah, it was down. Um, that was it. And uh, I mean, that's that's I mean, that's really the Achilles' heel of the Blackhawks, and those guys knew it. And it just yeah. So basically, you had 123 or so soldiers that were then in a terrible situation in the middle of urban warfare, really in this place, and they had to had to figure out a way to get out of here. They had to figure out a way to get out. So you, the, a lot of the movie then ends up you're, you're following them on the ground in the different places. You know, the pilot 
trapped in the in the copter the the rangers that are that are working their way through these buildings and it really turns from this mission of of getting these two lieutenants to their survival yeah of getting out of this situation and uh again it's not necessarily an easy movie to watch but it is eye-opening in a lot of ways just to warfare um like i said modern warfare and and uh it's it's a serious business and then you you realize you know Orlando Bloom is kind of your entryway into seeing how we got these young guys like him he's like supposed to be like an 18 year old yeah you know or maybe not totally 18 <laughs> but just a really young recruit who's excited to get in there but you're just realizing like you know there's these young guys they're going in and doing these very adult <laughs> things and uh Wow, it's it's a powerful movie, but Dakota and I just kept going, kept coming back to this about how it's just nobody ever talks about this movie. Yeah, we'll go back to ones before it, and we'll talk about more current ones. But for some reason, this important gem from the early two thousands is really forgotten about. Yeah, um, sadly. Well, well, it was uh, not too long ago. American Sniper came out, and. I was talking with some people at work about war movies that they liked, and a lot of people hadn't seen this one. It's like, you know, when you talk about war movies, you have obviously someone's going to bring up Saving Private Ryan. Uh, a lot of World War II movies Brave get brought Heart. up. Sometimes they'll <laughs> come up as a war movie. You know, a the Patriot. <laughs> yeah, The Patriot. Also known as Braveheart 2 Men in Pants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the unofficial title, folks. <laughs> was that Mel Brooks's <laughs> title or what? Oh, oh anyway. lordy. Um, but this is if obviously there wasn't really a war going on at that time, and oh, there's a lot of Vietnam movies out there. Sadly, no, no real World War One movies to make note of. All quiet on the Western Front. Paths yeah. of Glory. <laughs> What was the one with James Franco, Flyboys? Oh yeah, then there's Flyboys. <laughs> that one is okay if it's a little forgotten, I think. But War Horse. But yeah, War Horse. There's none that really kind of stick out for World War One though. Paths of Glory. Yeah, Stanley Kubrick's. That's about. Yeah, it's about the only one besides War Horse, I guess. But yeah, and 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 at the time. This did get some get some notice. Even then, though, not a whole lot. I mean, Ridley Scott did get nominated for Best Director for this. It won two Oscars yeah. for sound in the sound category because, I mean, this movie really does depend on the effects in it. Yeah. And and they work. They work very well in this. Um, that usually isn't what hurts a Ridley Scott movie is the effects. His effects in his movies are usually, you know, the top top-notch stuff yeah i think um, what but this is a movie where like dakota pointed out it had good source material you had mark Bowden's book uh, based off those articles and uh yeah i don't know you had all these guys in there and and a lot of there was a lot of reliance on guys who aren't knowns especially this time yeah you know you had guys that they were just playing roles and maybe that's what helped you yeah. know maybe Sometimes we do rely a little too much on star power um, for certain movies. Because really, in a way, when you look at Saving Private Ryan, Matt Damon was <laughs> yeah. he was known but not super known. 
You know, yeah. it was really Tom Hanks and then a bunch of other guys. Yeah, Vin Diesel. Yeah, I was like, I knew who he was. Yeah, I mean, it was Tom Hanks and a bunch of other Tom Sizemore. He was in that one too, yeah. I guess. But he's one who pops up. But I think that does help a little bit in some of these too. When you have guys who aren't as so known, it helps you to lose yourself in what they're going through because you don't have any baggage with a certain actor in that movie. And and with Tom Hanks, you can still lose yourself because he's Tom Hanks. He, yeah. he you buy him and just about anything he does, even if you don't like the movie. Black Hawk Down, that's another see it. Ridley Scott, just as a way of capturing warfare at its grittiest. But this is one where it isn't just gratuitous for the for just for the sake of having violence. It 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 all means something, and you're hurting with you're hurting with them. It just it's it's a gritty. It's a gritty war movie. It isn't one you're going to want to watch if you're just having a slap happy Sunday afternoon and you want to <laughs> yeah. stick in something. But it's an important movie, and and we both give it a watch. It so to kind of go back. Uh, we like I said we talked about really and Ridley Scott. I mean, we didn't even talk about Alien today, which we're saving that one for another one. Yeah, maybe we'll do that one because that is <laughs> another good movie he does. But just to recap, we talked about. Uh, first, Gladiator, which we both give a very strong watch it. And then we talked about Robin Hood. <laughs> which the 2010 <laughs> Robin Hood with Russell Crowe, which we give a strong avoid. <laughs> At least our recommendation would be avoid. My reasoning would be, why waste your time when there's other good Robin Hoods? It's not like it's the Robin Hood you have to watch to watch Robin Hood. There's, yeah, other, there's I, other ones that are good. Um, And then lastly, Black Hawk Down about the 1993 incident in Somalia. Uh, with uh, with Rangers and Delta Force, and uh, we give that obviously again a strong recommend. These are ones that most Ridley Scotts the they're gonna get their his movies. You're always gonna get the most justice when you have good sound. Like you can't watch his movies on your tablet. <laughs> is what I'm getting at. You know, you know, sit down and give your especially to Gladiator and Black Hawk Down. You know, if you're gonna watch them. You know, dedicate yourself to watching him right. I don't think he's has he ever done a movie that you could you could watch it on like a little little tiny like your phone. We can watch anything on a phone. <laughs> it's not gonna get much out of it. Yeah. Uh a good year. <laughs> but you should maybe avoid that one. Um But yeah, these are ones where if you're gonna watch them, that you know, make sure you got the time to watch them. They're worth they're worth the time. Yeah. One but, one thing I do notice about uh Ridley Scott's he's kind of we brought up James Cameron earlier today who makes some just horribly long movies yeah just excruciatingly long in a lot of cases and he Ridley Scott does that too but time doesn't drag with those well Robin, Robin Hood, Hood Robin Hood it did. but in his good ones Gladiator yeah that movie is not three hours but it gets close yeah. If but you're watching it, it on TNT, it's three and a half. <laughs> if you watch on TNT, it's five hours because you got to watch all the shaving cream commercials in between. But you don't feel it. Oh, yeah. You don't feel it. Same with Black Hawk Down. It's like two hours and 20-some minutes. You don't feel it. But, yeah. And that's the thing. When it's a good movie and you're enraptured in it for whatever reason, whether it's funny or whether it's intense, a good movie, the time doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, unless you got to pee really bad, then the time <laughs> might matter. <laughs> but yeah, just kind of, it is interesting how 
You're right. James Cameron movies, they do feel long. Avatar felt long. Titanic felt long. Aliens. <laughs> they feel long. And they are. Just just unneedlessly long. That's that's my point. Mm-hmm. Needlessly. Needlessly. Aliens, you could trim and 45 minutes off that baby, yeah. you'd still get the same story. That is true because with these two that we recommend this podcast, there isn't many wasted minutes. Yeah. You know, I mean, every every minute really matters for something. And not and again, you know, we brought up Robin Hood and really Scott has other movies that maybe the whole movie's wasted minutes. But the two that we recommend in this, they're not they're not waste. Um they're good. So, we hope uh we hope we enlightened you and maybe uh hopefully we we are going to pushed encourage- you, yeah, encouraged you into watching some quality quality movies and ho- and and again we're doing this in the hope that one day we can look back on the Martian and th- and see that as a quality movie. Um I really like I said I really want to read the book just cuz I've heard that that's worth the read. And so hopefully his movie version can be worth the watch. Yeah, so, the all the trailers for it look really good, so It looks pretty good. We're I'm hoping f- they're not lying. We're going to find out here in a week. Yeah. If if this is one of those movies where the trailers way cooler than the movie. And by the time you listen to this, maybe you'll already know. So I think on that though, we'll we'll wrap up the show. Um remember we are on Facebook and Twitter. Like us, follow us there. Keep up on things. Subscribe to us on YouTube or iTunes. Whatever podcast listener you use, subscribe to us on those. It's the best way to right away get the new episodes. Um, when you refresh, it'll be right there in your thing. There it is. Boom. New episode. Boom. Listen. Boom. 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 And go back and watch our old episodes. Uh, some of the ones that we reviewed earlier this year are now coming out on video. Uh, Beyond the Mask. Yeah, one of our our first review. It was our first review, our second episode. That's out on video now. Um, Age of Ultron coming out here. Age in a of Ultron days. will be out here soon. From when we're recording this, maybe now you're in the maybe you're in the mode where you missed him in the theaters. But should I rent it? Should I buy it? Should I avoid it? <laughs> Check out our reviews. Check out our reviews. So hopefully you're doing that. But I think on that we'll we'll close up the show. So this is Stephen, and this is Dakota. Have a pleasant evening.